Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Uh, we've done it. The Flyers are good. I think we can just fast forward to the playoffs now. Uh, both goalies, excellent. We're probably going to win that uh, William S. Jennings or Jennings Bryan or whatever that trophy's called. Uh, oh, you got and, the first uh, and last name right. What, what is it? <laughs> what is it? You, I don't remember. What I don't think Wayland. you got the middle initial right. It's not an S. Waylon Jennings. <laughs> Whatever it is, Flyers are uh, maybe one of the best teams in the East. No, they, they've been good. 6-2-2. Two, and two. They've beaten some decent teams, and I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, let's see what everyone else has to think. Let's just get right into it. Uh, let's lead it off with Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. Oh, boy. I already warned you, so you're starting with me. Um, so the Flyers this weekend, the, the little boys that they are, all went out together as documented through Nate Thompson's Instagram story. And I don't really understand fashion these days with the youths, apparently. But something I did notice, and this is very boomer of me, is that what is called drip these days is essentially like a sweatsuit, right? <laughs> like a short sweatsuit. Some of them had on sweatsuits, but some of them were wearing very other clothes it seems to just be like patterns of it's it's not ugly ugly clothes it's not any one thing it's like you have to have your own sense of style that happens to adhere to things you see on tiktok i see well i watch a lot of tiktok and i gotta tell you i still don't get it i mean fashion has i watch a lot of tiktok fashion has always been whatever if you have confidence in it to pull it off then it's fashion like it, that's it. Like you could, they're they're all just wearing pajamas. That's all it is. That like, explains it's why all... I never dress nice because I yeah. lack any confidence whatsoever. That's <laughs> which I think it's 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 important to point out. Team mom and team dad, Claude Giroux, Cam Atkinson had no idea what the fuck they were doing, God but bless. they wanted to go to bed after dinner, and I respect. I love the how I love how it, it is the young guys, but then it's on. The oldest dude on the team, Nate Thompson's fucking yeah. Instagram story. He's the one Instagramming it. He's he's, he's older than me. Yeah, he's so, 37 years old, so he's really, really running with this. Here's the question. Oh now, these are professional athletes. They're wealthy. They were all going out to dinner together. Indeed. So one would assume they're going somewhere nice. Mm-hmm. Does this mean I can start wearing sweatpants to nice restaurants? I mean, if you have expensive you, driver, shoes. If, and if you are a professional athlete. I know that you left, but I feel as though in Philadelphia, there's no restaurant in which you cannot wear a sweatsuit yeah, I mean, to dinner. <laughs> you make a really good point. Atlanta might be fancier, though. 
I have. It is not. I have like a collection of Adidas track jackets, and every morning I like put one on to like take the dog out or something, and I turn to Ava and I go, "Well, getting ready for my shift, guarding the Columbus statue." <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that's, and with my mustache, it works. Uh, but I feel like that's just. Who was it that we said could Yandel. easily fit in guarding the Columbus Yandel statue? Looked like was he was, Yandel looked like he was going to guard yeah. the Columbus. Oh yeah, statue, but yes. I, but the thing is, like, he was always going to go all out because Yandel is like the jokester of every group he's in. So there was no way he wasn't going to go. All. I loved the Cam and Drew looks because they were just like great. so. My my assumption based on those outfits was like you got the sense that Cam Atkinson like. He really thought that that was like what everyone was going for, that everyone was going to look like that. And he like probably walked out of the lobby and was like, wait, I totally misread the situation. Whereas Drew, on the other hand, I'm convinced he was just like, fuck this shit. Yeah, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wearing I'm a going to Cam dinner, actually, but I ain't like, doing Cam this. Put, Cam put effort into his oh, he absolutely did. and he looked great. Yeah. What a- just not the the yellow sweat short suit that Joel Farabee was wearing which I can't like I just can't get over Joel Farabee just as a human he just seems very I don't know the right word high but what was that high he seems high oh well yes all times Uh, allegedly like parody not actually uh, right, right. No, we are not stoned. actually reporting that Joel Faraday <laughs> no. is high all the time. It's just what he—it's just his vibe. His—he's got a vibe. What <laughs> I really—it's his whole vibe. What I really appreciate about Giroux is—it's uh, what I what everyone was tweeting about this whole thing. It's what I had to add to the conversation. Like, uh, this is a big night for them. Like, putting on goofy clothes and then like coming back to play a bunch of video games. Like, Giroux is like. You fucking guys, you know who I came up under? Like, you know who my captains were? (laughs) If we want to have a night out, I can show you a night out. But if it's just going to be, oh yeah, we're going out to dinner and then uh, we're going to go play Fortnite or something, I'm putting putting on my dad ensemble and then going to bed. So I came Mm -hmm. to a realization about the Drew look because one of the best parts of the Instagram video was, you know, Nate Thompson is moving his phone around to show everyone and it gets Drew. And Drew just gives him a like a look, like a death stare, like <laughs> confused, angry look, and like a couple of people screenshotted it. And it, I would, and I was trying to figure out what it reminded me of, and it hit me. The walking it's, boot. It's the exact same look from the Randy Miller walking boot picture. <laughs> it's the exact same look, except this photo. Oh, no. Except this photo actually caught his lower body. <laughs> It did. So so for, for background, for anyone who is a younger fan who was not around for this fantastic moment in Flyers oh, Twitter history, so there was one time was. where Claude Giroux like, missed a couple practices and didn't look like he was going to be able to play in a game against the Rangers. And there was some confusion. Like, I believe I wasn't on the beat at this time, but I was very much on Flyers Twitter. There was some confusion. Uh, I think, like, Paul Holmgren talked to the media and said, like, he wasn't going to play. And then, like, later that day, it was announced that he might play. So, Claude Giroux goes up to New York. He ended up actually, I believe, playing in this game. But he goes up to New York and goes to MSG, and he walks into MSG in apparently a walking boot. And Randy Miller, who was one of the beat writers at the time, was there, like saw Drew. I guess he saw Drew with the walking boot. And he was like, holy shit, I got this scoop that Drew is now in New York with a walking boot on coming up to possibly playing the game. So he took a picture of Drew, which like, 
okay, that's that's a good thing. Like journalism, you know, you're trying to get the scoop out there. The problem was was that the way Drew was standing, like there's a table He's blocking behind, like, his entire desk. lower body. And all you can see is like him from the waist up. You can't see the walking boot. And Miller tweets out like, you know, Claude Drew in a exclusive. walking boot here in New York exclusive. And the look on Giroux's face was just like, why the hell are you taking my picture? And it was the funniest thing ever. Like if you want to see the picture, it is NHL flyer on Twitter. It is his picture that is the drew shot and it's a legendary moment in flyers twitter history but it's the exact it was the exact same look it was the exact same look from that picture was the look that he showed in that instagram video same look it, it that is that is the scott t uh origin story it is flyers flyers beats back in the day if you're a young Ooh. flyers fan or if you're just getting into the flyers Man, you missed a time. A time I mean, like, of just yeah. hot. Charlie's doing mess. a disservice yeah, to have, his history by being this normal. We have Charlie like, now. Charlie, <laughs> Charlie, who like just if, breaks if down the game. You have no idea how much we really needed Charlie because holy shit, it was rough going for a it while. Was just, it, it was just all Sam Carcidis. There were a just lot a of bunch characters. Of Sam Carcidis. I mean, you, well, obviously there was Sam. Sam's the only the only one who's really the left OG. from that crew. Randy Miller was Randy Miller. Um, you had Tim Panaccio, who is like, oh, like just, just a truly, oh. like he, and, and I, w- I was always cool with Tim. I haven't seen him in years, but I never had a problem with him. But like Tim Panaccio is a character. Like, he is, if you remember him on social media, like, there's a reason why someone created the fake Tim Panaccio account, and then someone created a Sporkle quiz that had you try to determine whether it was a real Tim Panaccio tweet, (laughs) or whether it was a tweet from the account fake Tim Panaccio, because in many cases, it was legitimately impossible to tell which one was real and which one was a parody. Well, sometimes you just need to take a bite of a chunky. (laughs) (laughs) He's a comrade, too. A smidgen of chunky. What's he referred to his wife as? Crazy bitch? Is that what you're Oh, yeah, CB. Yeah, yeah CB, which means crazy bitch. Um, yeah, Sim Minaccio was, like, th- that whole beat. Love some Barolo. That whole beat in, like, the early 2010s to mid-2010s was just wild. It was Someone should write a book about wild. those guys, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, from TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So to change the, uh, I guess the the nature of the discussion, um, I am I am sending out a plea to the hockey gods here. Can can we get Oscar Lindblom a goal? Because he's playing, he's playing really well, and he's just not scoring. Like that line is always in the offensive zone. He's he's getting chances. He's he's creating opportunities for his line mates. Like how are we ten games and he doesn't have a goal? Get get this guy a goal. Like come on. The guy beat cancer, hockey gods. Like, let's let's have a little bit of, of of empathy for him and just throw him a bone and get him going, and then maybe he'll be scoring a lot of goals. But it's wild to me that he hasn't yet scored yet because it's not like he's playing poorly. Like, this is not a Yuri Latera situation. He's been fine. He just can't seem to score. So get him a goal against Toronto on Wednesday, please. This is not a Yuri Latera situation. I mm. love it. Uh, it'll never. I will never. I will just never forget. Like hacks last stand. I'm playing Yuri over Lindblom. (laughs) (laughs) You will have to shoot me dead to get him out of the lineup. All right. And last but certainly not least, the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. So I don't know what this says about my brain, but I keep forgetting about the pandemic. Like, I forgot about it at Halloween because I was like, there was no kids last year. There won't be any kids this year. Hmm. Wonder why there weren't any kids last year. Anyway, I was thinking about it today. 
And it seems like the Flyers are having so much more fun with each other. But that might be because of the pandemic. And not because they actually like each other more. Well, not entirely, but it's a lot of it. So I actually, I saw something about this the other day. And I've been thinking about it a lot. And the pre-pandemic team, that 2019, 2018, 2019 team, or 2019, 2020. Thank you. They were really tight. Yeah. And... They were together all the time, and we used to joke about it because that was the year that Nolan Patrick was hanging out at home, and that's when we decided that he was the problem in the locker room Ah, because the team was so tight and he wasn't there. So, yes, I think it does have a lot to do with the pandemic, but I love seeing them have fun. I love seeing them go out together. Whatever the reason is, it's nice to see the boys out having fun together again. And, like, I do think, I don't think it's like, oh, well, they're having fun, therefore they're winning. Like, I think, one, like, when you're winning, you're going to have more fun. Mm -hmm. But, I like, I do think this plays a part of it. Like, we talked, as soon as Kevin Hayes got here, and, like, the attitude he brought, like, right when pandemic began, remember he was calling everyone every single day to tell them, hey, I miss you? Like... Every single day. That's kind of what the attitude of that team was, and it's kind of what... I don't know if it's what brought them success, but I do think they were closer together and won because of that. And, like, one affects the other, but I do think it's part of kind of... We said so much last season, like, the young kids can't go out and get laid, so they're having no fun. And the old guys miss their families, so they're not having any fun. And now, like, they actually get to do some of those things... And look at this, they don't look like fucking shit anymore. They actually look like a cohesive hockey team that doesn't, you know, belong in the AHL. So maybe it's not a direct effect, but we can't discount it totally. I mean, look, there's there's definitely an element, too, of the guys they added. You know, guys like Keith Yandel, um, you know, Derek Broussard. Um, trying to think who else I'm, I'm forgetting. Um, Cam Atkinson. Atkinson, yeah. I mean, he, they're like, all friends already. Yeah, they're they're all <laughs> they're all friendly friendly dudes. Like it just seems like they've they added to a, a more light atmosphere. That said, I mean, look, there was a reason why I kept saying all last year that like I really don't think we should you know underrate the impact of the pandemic on these guys in terms of. You know, they're just general. I, I I hesitate to even use the term mental health because I do think that was. I mean, it's true, but like, I don't think everyone was like falling apart. I just think they weren't happy. Like, no one was happy, and then the team was losing, and you couldn't do anything to blow off steam, so you just became even more unhappy. And then you're around all these guys, and the knives start coming out a little bit because everyone's frustrated because you had these high expectations, and it just snowballs. And I think that's what happened in a lot of ways last year. And now that they can go out on the road and, like, go out to dinner and do goofy stuff like what they did on Friday night and, you know, just, you know, get a couple drinks or whatever, just, like, hang out. Just, you know, I don't know, be, you know, guys being Normal. dudes. I don't know. Like, <laughs> but seriously, like, there's there's an element to this, like, this is supposed to be fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These are grown men that play a children's sport for a living. This is supposed to be fun. And it very clearly wasn't fun at all last season and And i think it's fun again for them we've talked a lot about how like they just let so many things snowball last year and like the point about just being able to blow off steam like you play two three bad games in a row and your only experience with the guy next to you are those bad games 
Like yeah. some sort yeah. of resentment or bad feeling or sure. something. Like sure. when you can go out to dinner and just like be goofy for a couple of hours, like at least you had in some, your sweatpants. Yeah, like at least you <laughs> had some fun with that person. It wasn't just getting your head kicked in by the Boston Bruins every other night for six fucking months. Like you actually oh got God, to have fun with the person and maybe you liked them a little bit more. Thank you for reminding me that we saw the Boston Bruins every single night like, of the season just last ne- year. Just never God. ended. Last season sucked. It was the so Bruins, much. it was the it was Islanders. The worst. And that was it the was so season. bad. So fucking terrible. That was the whole thing. Oh yeah. All right. So the Flyers are six two and two, which sounds so much better than six and four. Like six two and two, like, oh man, we're kicking ass. Six yeah. and four is like, oh, okay, they're they're pretty good. Uh, but they are right now, the Rangers are playing Florida, uh, heading into that game. They are one point behind the Rangers for second with two games in hand, now one. Uh, Carolina, 9-1-0, leads the division with 18 points. Flyers have 14. Uh, kind of, since our last show, a little bit of the Flyers roller coaster, at least for me, uh, couldn't have been more discouraged, disappointed, in the uh, Pittsburgh loss, Pittsburgh missing like half of its defense, Crosby, Malkin, uh, we know. And then, I really couldn't have been more pleased with the win- with the regulation win in Washington. Uh, just as we get started here, you know, 20 minutes into the show as we get started. Uh, biggest takeaways and reactions since we last spoke. So I guess I'll jump in here. Um, and first off, I'll say that I thought the Washington game was was great. You know, I thought mm-hmm. that was their. I, I thought it was their best game of the year. I mean, yeah, they blew out Seattle, but like this was their best game. This was against a legitimately good team on the road. You know, yeah, they're they're missing a couple players. Like they're missing Backstrom and Oshie and Mantha, but like so they're a damn we. good. They're a damn good team, and the Flyers are missing players too. So yeah, like that was that was a. The first forty minutes, they were clearly the best team. The final twenty, like yeah, Washington made a push, but like they're gonna make a push to the freaking Capitals. Like it's gonna happen. Like you know, you're not gonna dominate a sixty-minute game most likely against another divisional foe that's legitimately good. But backtracking for a second here, I and I'm not saying that like I thought the Penguins game was great, but I was really shocked. At just how angry people were about that game. Yes. Like, people were fucking pissed. And it's like, guys, they lost in overtime. And I went back and rewatched that game. They had a lot of scoring chances. Like, did Pittsburgh probably get the better of play overall? Yeah, probably. But the Flyers got a lot more scoring chances than I think people wanted to give them credit for. Like, that game could have been 7-6 if both goalies didn't play really well. And that really was kind of a game that the, when I went back and rewatched it, it really could have went either way. And I think people just kind of got this in their heads, like, well, Crosby and Malkin are out, so, like, we're going to fucking roll them, and if we don't roll them, it's a disgrace. It's like, you do realize they, without Crosby and Malkin, they fucking rolled, like, Tampa Bay? Like, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh is a good team, even without their stars, because Mike Sullivan is a fucking great coach, and he coaches a great oh, system. and that's, like, it was, it's not like they were terrible in that game. I didn't need them to blow Pittsburgh out, but we've just talked a lot, like, I've, I've mentioned the next, like, 15, 20 games, uh, being a real tough part of the schedule. They were catching a break, Crosby comes back for one game, and then goes on COVID protocol, Malkin's still out, Latang's first game back from COVID, uh, they're missing Dumoulin, they're missing Russ, they're missing just so many pieces. It wasn't just that they were missing those guys, like, half their lineup, it seemed like, was missing. Uh, I just kind of thought, 
that they should win this. And then when they tied it up, it was like, okay, we can take care of this thing. And then the Latang goal, which was just goddamn fucking silly. Uh, but mm-hmm. it, it is what it is. They come back. They get three out of four points in those division games. And now I'm not as disappointed because they came back. What's up, Steph? So I actually don't want to talk about these two games much. I want to talk about the one before that, the Arizona game. That's the one where I got real pissed off and real upset with the Flyers. Even though it ended in a win, they did not play well that game. And this is the Arizona AHL Coyotes. Yeah. It was I, it was brutal. I called that one uh like the title of that post game like, the tweet I put out was, like, unsatisfying shutout. And then that followed by the Pittsburgh game. I feel like those two things in a row, it was like, oh, things are heading in a bad direction more than anything. Like, I yeah. think that's where, like, yeah, they, they beat Arizona because they they should. Like, they should win yeah. that game 10 nothing because Arizona's terrible. But Arizona played hard. They're trying real hard for their first win. Didn't get it. Flyers didn't allow them to score. But it was just like, did you really just get shut out for 40 minutes by Ara-fucking-Zona? Uh, but, you know, they win. It was just, I think, those two games combined. But, Charlie, I you said you thought people were pissed. Me being disappointed in those two games... I feel like I got a lot of pushback, like, ah, they're winning, don't, you know. They, oh, really? No, yeah. I got a lot of pushback on Twitter yeah. from people who were basically ripping me because after three games, I had said it was too early to panic. And they were like, then after the Pittsburgh game, I was like, so you thought it was too early, too early to panic? Just watch that disgrace of a game? And it's like, they're still, they still have a pretty good record, guys. Like, look, I'm not saying the process has been perfect, but like, maybe wait until the record is actually bad before doing a fucking touchdown dance about, yes, I was right, they're terrible. People are so excited about being correct about hating their hockey team. It's like the wildest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's like they're happy that they get to be miserable because the thing that they supposedly like is bad. I don't know. It blows my mind. Well, I've, I've said this in Slack, and I will, I will put this in the BSH ether on the show. Oh, shit. I have come to the conclusion— that being a ridiculously pessimistic fan is the most cowardly way to mm-hmm. be a fan. Yeah. And this is my reason. Because if the team is bad, then you can comfort yourself about how fucking right you were. I'm and you so can be smart. A pat, pat yourself on the back that, yeah, I saw it coming how bad this team was and look how great I am. And yeah, it's annoying having to watch a bad team, but look how smart I am. And then if they're good... Well, who cares? They're good. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, maybe like you might have to deal with a couple numb no namers on Twitter being like you were wrong. But like, who cares? You're watching a good team. You're happy. Everybody's happy because the team's winning. Really, the brave thing to do is to be optimistic. That is the brave way to be a fan. The coward's way out is to be a pessimistic fan because you're basically just hedging your bets. You're hedging your emotional bets. And that is the coward's way out. That's I said this all summer with the Phillies and like obviously they ended up disappointing us. No no big surprise there. They've they've been around since 1883 and you know all but two seasons have been major disappointments. Uh like just go all in. What's the point of not going all in? Like you can criticize uh-huh. the team and you can analyze sure, sure. and you can analyze the team, but from a fan's perspective, if you're just going to be pessimistic Fucking watch something else. You know how much shit there is on television? Like, so much. There's, there's an so unlimited much. amount of stuff. 
Like, there's like 200 episodes of just Star Wars Clone Wars. We're not even talking about all the other shit. Like, just one thing. I, 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 I'll never understand. Like, just go in. If you don't want to be disappointed, fucking watch something you don't already know how it ends. Like, just do that. Well, I mean, cowards. what we're talking about here is is the fans that go all in every season. That's the Kelly Hinkle method. Yeah. I'm a hero. I respect the Kelly Hinkle <laughs> method. I prefer the Kelly method over someone who's just like, no, they're terrible. You know. Like, again, you, you can you can analyze and criticize the team, but when it comes down to it, we're all fans. And, like, I want to believe that my team has a chance because, shit, I'm doing this anyway. Like there's I, a subsection there's a subsection of sports fans who look at Randy Quaid's character in the second major league <laughs> as like a model to live by. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't land with me. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that does a movie, sorry. It's um imagine me at a baseball game, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, good. Uh, See, yeah. that's how much other stuff there is to watch. I don't watch movies, and yet, yeah. I am fully entertained at all times. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, there's too much. All right, uh, so Charlie already asked my answered my next question. I said on the post game, I believe that the Washington win was their best of the season. Uh, Steph, Kelly, how do we feel about that uh, assertion there? I just kind of, like, most complete. They've been more exciting. Yes. They've had more, you know, uh, more fun games to watch, certainly, but... Damn, just watching that thing, like, first of all, holding Ovechkin scoreless, you know, after last that season. Was pretty good. Yeah, just, I thought for sure this was their best effort of the season. I mean, Marty J has been impressing me in a way that I did not expect We're, at all. Speaking but of it's, people, But it's not just, it's not just Jones. I mean, they actually No, I know, no, game. no, I know, I know. I'm just pointing out that in that game, Jones was surprising. When I heard that he was starting, I was like, oh, okay. Are we still at that point? Are we still at the point where when you I hear mean, that he Martin had, Jones is starting, you're like, uh-oh, because he had only he's played, played three games. They've all been real good. I know, I know, but... As we've been saying, Washington is a very good hockey team, and they've got Alexander Ovechkin, who can essentially score at will if no one's there to stop him. So I did worry a little bit. I mean, like, if you ask me which goalie I would prefer to have facing a good hockey team, it's going to be Carter Hart every time. But Martin Jones has been very good. It's a very pleasant surprise. I'm glad to see it. I was a little... It seemed like the Flyers were kind of... They took the pedal... Off the gap, wait, foot off the pedal a little bit in the third. Love the mixing of the gas. Pedal off the flower. (laughs) You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, But otherwise, yeah, very, very good hockey game. Yeah, I um, uh, agree. I mean, the, the season is still so new. We don't have a whole lot of other games. Well, we've got six games, I guess, to judge it against, but. Ten. It was a. It was fun. It was competitive, and they won. So seven yes. was last week, Steph. We're at ten games now. God damn it! I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, are we back to the counting issues again? No, right I again. have it now. I got it. I'm right again. It's ten now. <laughs> you okay? Today is not the day that I get numbers. Right. Do I need to go on my counting rant for a second straight week? I, I you know what? No. If it's someone else getting yelled but at, maybe. I'm all, I'm all for it. But no. <laughs> All right, so you kind of lead me to my next my next topic here, talking about Martin Jones. Uh, I have 
absolutely no problem being wrong about this guy. Martin Jones is 3-0-0 with a 1-6-7 goals against and a 9-50 save percentage. He has stopped 95 of the 100 shots he has faced. This was a real easy number for me to figure out. Um, also, it's listed right there yeah. on his They're stats. making the math as easy yeah. as possible for Bill. <laughs> um, so Hart has made seven of the first 10 starts, which is 70%. Uh, hey. right. Oh, damn. Uh, you really guy. prepared for this show, didn't you, Bill? <laughs> yeah, I told you, man. I'm I'm all in on this one. So he's still on pace for like uh, qu- quite a vast majority of the starts this year. Uh, but Martin Jones, I promised, you know, I was, we argued a few shows ago. I freaked out about Martin Jones getting any time in net. And I'm gladly wrong about that, at least after three games. Uh, but I did promise my post-game listeners I'd pose this question to all of you. Should Elaine Vigneault be looking to get Jones into more games than he Could already we has? not? Okay, well, so he, so here's the thing, all right? God. They're going to have to because I don't know if you've taken a look at this upcoming schedule. Yeah. I don't like it, but Charles. they're playing, I believe, 11 games in 22 days or something ridiculous like that. Jones is going to play, and it's not necessarily even because – He's playing well, so we got to get him more starts. He's going to play because they're going to have to split the time here because you don't want to run Carter Hart into the ground. Like, I know he's young, but, like, you still don't want to run your goalie into the ground. He's had some injury issues in in his NHL career. You don't want to take any chances, and Jones is playing well. So, like, I mean, I assume Hart will probably get Wednesday's game. They have the back-to-back, so Jones will get one of those two. You know, Jones probably gets one of the, um, you know, one of the two – you know, the follow, one of the three the following week. Um, and then there's another Florida back-to-back. We get one of those. Like, yeah, you could sprinkle him in pretty well because they're playing, like, every other night until right after Thanksgiving. So, yeah, he's going to get to play, and he's playing pretty well. So it's early. It's three games. Like, that's the one thing you do have to take a step back. And I've really liked what I've seen from Martin Jones. I don't know who hasn't really liked what they've seen from Martin Jones. Like, he's objectively been very good. But it has only been three games. I mean, really all it takes with that small of a sample is one bad game, and suddenly yeah. his save percentage is down at 900 again. So, you know, don't get ahead of ourselves here, but it's working out so far. And, you know, maybe the Kim Dillaball thing really did have some legs. Maybe Kim Dillaball really has figured out how to fix Martin Jones, and maybe Martin Jones not having to play every night for a bad team is helping him. You know, these were – I've always said the, the Martin Jones bet – was a, it was a reclamation project, and while it wasn't necessarily one I would have taken, I could at least, like, I, I could envision a plausible scenario where it worked out, and so far it's working out. Yeah, that's, uh, like, we talked about Martin Jones in San Jose. Like, we saw how things can snowball for goalies last year. Well, goddamn, if they just didn't trot him out every single night in San Jose, no matter what. Like, when he was doing okay, they were playing playing him 60 games a year. Like, the last few years, I know, shortened season, but they were still playing him a ton. Like, as much as I'm kind of joking, should we be looking to get him into some more games? Perhaps, and he's going to have to play more. Like, Carter Hart is not going to make 70% of the starts this season, as much as we would like that. Uh, Like... Perhaps this is one of those situations where we go, oh, maybe in a reduced role. Like, maybe that's actually working for him. It seems to be. Yeah, this is, I I actually have to echo what Bill said. So for those of you who keep track of these things, both Bill and I are admitting that we were wrong about Martin Jones on this same podcast. 
And I feel good about being wrong about him because that means there is a solid backup goalie. You weren't wrong, though. Neither of I you was, was wrong. cautious. You didn't know if he was going to be able to turn it around based on all of the games that he played in San Jose. This is not wrong. This was taking okay. a look at the evidence and making a judgment about what you thought might happen. And then a different thing happened. You weren't wrong. I hate when people say that. It drives me nuts. This whole, oh, Rasmus Ristolainen had one good game. Look at him owning all the fucking nerds. No, he didn't. The nerds were correct. And then he had a good game. Okay. Yeah, like we've they were seen. Right, they were right before. We've seen. Like, yeah, no, I I need to carry Kelly around in my pocket all the time for every time I say I was wrong. Yeah, that's like, I, we'll get to Ristolainen probably after this uh, upcoming uh, upcoming commercial break here. But like. I was encouraged by what I saw out of him on Saturday, but we've sure seen, was. like, uh, you know, Riley Cote scored goals before. Like, you know, every now and then, a bad player has a good game. Maybe it's a turning point, or maybe, like, he just happened he to play well. Game. Yeah, like, yeah. that no, happens. I mean, I, he's I an with, NHL hockey player. I think with someone like Martin Jones, you know, and this is, like, this is kind of what it boils down to, you know, it was never impossible that he was going to bounce back. There's every, every every prediction that's made, every potential outcome for a player and for a season should be looked at in terms of plausible outcomes. You know, you're going to if you really want to break it down, it's like okay, well there's a 10% chance this is going to happen and a 20% chance this is going to happen and a 30% chance this is going to happen and like you know, when if if you run a hundred simulations, you know sometimes you're gonna get one of those simulations where it pops up where the good outcome happens, even if it's unlikely. The thing with the Martin Jones signing was that because he'd been objectively poor, and this is not a like, oh, the stat nerd said he sucks. Like, no, he was bad. Like he was bad for three seasons in San Jose. That happened. Now, does that mean that he's guaranteed to be bad in Philly? No, it's not. And there's other factors beyond stats that you have to take into account, such as being reunited with Kim Dillaball, such as not being the starter anymore, such as being on a team that presumably has a bit more defensive structure, or at least they want to, than the the Sharks did by the end. So there's other factors that you you have to put into play here. When you're, when you're doing an analysis, but you can't just, like, you can't say, like, when they sign Martin Jones, you can't look at that and say, well, he sucked for the last three years, but, like, I just have a fucking feeling that he's going to be good, and all these stat nerds are dumb for thinking he's going to be bad. Like, no. No, he was bad. Generally speaking, past performance does a good job of predicting future performance, so it was completely reasonable to be skeptical that he was going to be good, but... Sometimes guys turn it around, and that's cool. And then we can talk about how yeah. cool it is We're that he happy turned it around. It. Like we don't, we don't have to constantly relitigate like who was right and who was wrong because outcomes are not predestined. That's part of the fun of sports: is that unlikely things happen, and that's cool. I'll tell you what else. It doesn't is- make them any less unlikely. <laughs> I will say, I think uh, losing Justin Braun was really the key for Martin Jones because uh, he had a sub three goals against every season up until, you know, we ended up with Justin Braun now. Was it? No, no, it wasn't the, the final season. Like his first bad season, I think he saw Justin Braun, right? But the goals against was still two nine six. 
Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I got gotcha. it. Was the save gotcha. percent? The save percentage was still awful. Uh, he had the same save percentage three years in a row. But it wasn't until after Justin Braun left he started giving up more than three goals a game. Uh, I will say, like Carter Hart's been excellent as well, which leads to like you know you, you say they want to have more defensive structure than San Jose did. I just have to believe any team that doesn't have you know, old Eric Carlson and old Brent Burns has more just defensive structure than that San Jose team yeah. does. Like, I mean, that's, that's basically fair. not defense. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I love the idea of just having the puck and trying to score that way and having defensemen like that. That's that's what I want hockey to be. But um, it's probably yeah, and, not going to work when those guys are old as shit. And, and the one like really good defensive defenseman they actually had, L- Vlasic, isn't uh, good anymore. Yeah, and Vlasic. So it's like I mean, he was good. He was an objectively really good defensive defenseman for years, and then it looks like he's just kind of cooked. So he was the one guy who was supposed to stabilize things, and he's a shell of himself too. Yeah, that San Jose team is in trouble. I, I don't. I think they're I don't actually even doing know like there anymore. decently okay this year. I think they started I don't really out all right. Attention to them. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you look at that team, and it's there, there's a lot of yikes there. It was it was like a very Buffalo esque. Like, yeah, they started out okay, but guess what? Isn't gonna last any of this. <laughs> All right, uh, we are going to take a quick break for an ad here, and then uh, we'll be back on the other side. And I'm going to ask, where did the scoring go? All right, fam, we are back. Uh, we are back from commercial. I really hope you enjoyed that product placement there, or maybe told you to listen to another podcast, in which case, don't. Only listen to our podcast, as Steph like, tells me, stop Do you it. guys not listen to the other podcasts on the SB Nation Network? I don't listen to any podcast that isn't wrestling. Yeah, I listen to two oh, podcasts. Oh, my loves. Oh, my loves. Our, our ads are for, like, Verizon and T-Mobile. And oh, wow. Got, like, we're, like, real? Okay. Yes. We're, like, real. We've got, like, corporate sponsors. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's that. I feel like, listen to our show. Sometimes it's like, hey, listen to this 76ers podcast and shit like that. Sometimes. I don't know. Anyway, I'm just I entertain myself. It entertains me that you guys just don't listen. (laughs) If it's not a wrestling podcast hosted by Conrad Thompson, chances are I don't listen to it. All right. Anyway, I said before the break, I'm going to ask, where did the scoring go? So where did the scoring go in the first five games of the year? They scored 23 goals. Over four and a half a game in the last five games, they've scored nine. Under two a game. Um, where did the scoring go? You know what the weird thing about this is? I, I mean, I guess you did. I didn't even notice this watching the games because I don't really get the sense that, like, they have a scoring problem. I mean, clearly you do because you put it in the outline. I just, you know, they played like shit against Calgary. Okay, so they got shut out. But, like, that wasn't a scoring problem. That was a, we just didn't show up to play problem. Mm-hmm. Then, like, they just played in games where it's just felt maybe a little tighter. I mean, the only game that I will say, you know, since that Calgary game that probably should have been higher scoring was the Pittsburgh game. But both goalies played great. So what could have been, as I said, like a 7-6 game ended up being a 3-2 game. 
you know, the Arizona game, once they finally woke up in the third period, they popped in three goals. The, the the Capitals game was just a tight game. It was a tight checking game. There was a lot of puck possession, a lot of board play, a lot of physical play. And those games generally are conducive to scoring a lot of goals. You know, the, the Vancouver game was a well goaltended game that was pretty tight. I don't know. I... I don't, I'm not that concerned. I mean, if you're going to point to one thing, it's probably just that the Broussard line went cold, but like, Mm -hmm. that's about it. The rest of it just strikes me as like, you're playing the games that you're, that are, that are being played and you're playing them the way they're going to be played. I mean, that's what I was going to say is that, you know, Derek Broussard's line is looking more like a line centered by Derek Broussard, which quite honestly, we should have expected. I've been told they're the fab line. That is what they are called. Is that actually what they are calling themselves? Or is that what Twitter is calling them? That's what I'm calling them. That is what we are calling okay. them. Okay. All right. Sure. I'll, I'll explain it to it. you, Charlie. It's because Joel Farabee's name starts with an F. And Cam oh, Atkinson yeah. starts with an A. It starts with an A. And then Broussard with a B. Broussard starts with a B. I know. A- and acronyms. Spells, Amazing. Yeah, it spells fab. And Truly fab amazing. is a word that means, like, cool. And I good. mean, you guys can enjoy it for however long <laughs> it stays together, because I suspect when Kevin Hayes comes back, it is not going to stay together much longer. That's the fact line. <laughs> and that and that kind of... <laughs> the fact line. <laughs> well, that, wait, now we're using first first names? <laughs> I don't, I don't oh, the, shit, the, you're right. the, the accepted structure here was last I'm names. very tired. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> I mean, we want to change it up. We can. But... Any better? <laughs> well, I'm just going for accuracy here. We got to go for consistency. No, Charlie's right. <laughs> no, I like the fact line because that's what I would get on my TV when they screw that up. That sounds like, it sounds like Kevin, ha- Kevin Hayes saying fuck. Like, ah, fuck. <laughs> Motherfucker. Boston style. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, that that leads me to the question I wanted to ask. Like, the scoring problem, I don't know if it's a real scoring problem. I think it's important that they can win games both ways. Like, they can outscore teams, and yeah, their goalie yeah. can just help you win a game 2-1, or 3 nothing or whatever the fuck, you know? Like, that's all good. Uh, but that Broussard line, I know he had the goal on Saturday, and it was a pretty goal. Um, very good. But is it time to consider one of two moves? And the one I'm leaning towards is the one I'll ask first. Uh, Giroux to 2C. No. No. And, and, and you know what? You know why I would say it's not something I would do? If Kevin Hayes was going to be out for another month, I'd strongly consider it. But I don't really see the, the logic of doing a full-scale shakeup of the lines when you're just going to have to do another full-scale shakeup of the lines when Kevin Hayes comes back, which is probably going to be in the next, like, week or so. What's up with the top line, though? I thought it played really well in Washington. I thought that was that was a really good game yeah. by them. Do you? Mm, never mind. I was gonna point out that they play a lot with the second defensive pair, and I'm wondering if that's well. I mean, honestly, they were the, the Ristolainen Sandine pairing was playing a fair amount with the Broussard line for a while. I think over the last two games, they've gotten more time with uh, with the Couturier line. Um, and obviously in, in D.C. it actually They helped all looked because, great. Yeah. yeah, because the second pair looked really good. Um, but you know, one thing that I, I pointed out in one of my columns about the first line, I actually brought it up to Couturier, and he kind of was like, yeah, I didn't really think about it, but like, I think it might just kind of be, you know, just there, there might not be really be anything to it beyond like we've just had some good shifts in that period. There have been more than a few games this season where I've thought that the Couturier line for the first two periods has been completely in, ineffective. And then in the third period just comes out and blows the doors off a team. Like they did it against Boston. They did it against Arizona. 
they've done it in a couple games where like I'm sitting there the first two periods. And I'm like, yeah, they just look out of sync. The passes aren't there. They're spending a lot of time in the D zone. And then they'll just come out in the third. And it's like, oh yeah, this is the, the, you know, Drew Couturier connecting line that dominated for the past three seasons. And, you know, I do wonder if maybe it's taken them a little bit of time to kind of reestablish some chemistry. I don't know. They didn't play a lot together last year because, uh, you know, Couturier spent a lot of time uh, with, like, JVR and Farabee and Drew as center. So, I don't know, maybe it's taken some time for them to get it, get back in sync. But I did love – I loved their play against DC. I thought that was one of their mm-hmm. best – probably their best all-around game of the year, and we'll see if they can use that as a springboard against – you know, a Toronto team that has some some really, really strong high-end talent, so they're going to need to play well because I imagine they're going to get a lot of shifts against them. And that's uh, two things here. First, have I ever done my D.C. rant? Why do all these teams that play in Washington, D.C. go by Washington when D.C. is so much cooler of a thing to say? Like, your logo, like those big W jerseys that uh, the Caps were wearing the other night are the ugliest jerseys I oh, think I've I ever like seen. Them. Like, mm-hmm. they're... Just absolutely hideous. Be like DC United, awesome team name. Yeah, the DC Was- United is a good team. The name. Washington Nationals, the Washington Capitals, like all that shit sucks. The only the only issue I have with DC United is that I do find it weird that all of the uh, like not all but a lot of the MLS teams like very clearly just copied off oh. of like. DC United, like you know, mm-hmm. it, oh, whereas like, like at least like the at least like the Philadelphia Union was just like, nah, we're we're an American no, soccer like, team. Uh, we're not gonna like take something from the from like one of the big English clubs. Real Salt Lake and that. Yeah, like, like no, that doesn't you're even just, make any sense. You're just, you're just being a parody now. Like this is clearly yeah. you're saying you're a second rate league. But I'm just saying that it bothers me to no end. DC is so much cooler than Washington. There's already a place called Washington. Anyway, um, now I forget. Oh, in terms of them playing with the second pairing, the top line. I do believe there's something to, like, well, they were going to be matched up with Ovechkin, Couturier's line, and who does Ovechkin play with? Tom Wilson. Who do we want on the ice against Tom Wilson? Ristolainen. Like, let's all be honest with each other and say, why is Ristolainen here? That's why I think it was so important that he played well in that game. Thank God he didn't do it because it could have given them life. But if he had just beaten the shit out of Tom Wilson, like, at some point in the third period... He gets a contract extension the next day. <laughs> Dodge the bullet. All right. Uh, so the other move, no one's really on board with Giroud at 2C. What about a Morgan Frost recall? Morgan Frost has one. I... He's got one goal, seven assists in 10 games uh, with the Phantoms. Six points in his last four games. For what it's worth, personally, I kind of think that's a post-haze return move. Like... All right, we've worked everything else out. We've got things settled. Now we bring him up and the f- everything's complete. Uh, work him in. What do you think about calling up Morgan Frost? Uh, if uh, it, Unless you don't think there's actually a scoring problem, which doesn't sound like everyone else does. I yeah. think he needs a little bit more time warming up down there. I'm glad he's scoring. That's yeah. good. He had I a mean, very I'm glad slow the points start. are coming. But, uh, yeah, I... I Based on the people I've talked to that are watching those games, like he's been off and on. He's yeah. had some good games. He's had some poor games. I'd like to really see him get on a real run before he gets called up. At the same time, like in truth, if Kevin Hayes comes back, and maybe maybe the the Lawton line will you know will stop looking at least by the eye test as good um, as it's been. But I mean, I don't see any like 
you the big issue right now for me with the lines is that you you need someone to replace Broussard. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Hayes is coming to replace Broussard. I don't look at the lines and say I need Morgan Frost to come up and replace Scott Lawton. The only positive of that is like, well, then maybe you could use Lawton to boost the to the fourth line, which hasn't been great. Um, and also, Lawton and ho- Hayes have looked good together in the past. True, but you know, yeah, they have with with Lawton on the wing. But maybe you push Broussard down to the fourth line, and then maybe that juices up the fourth line on its own. You don't even need to move Lawton down, you know, from from three C down to to four C or four left wing or whatever. I just think that they're they're doing okay record wise. Um, they just had a real good game against Washington, a real good team game. I don't see the need to shake things up, especially with the looming return of Kevin Hayes. Now, if they lose their next three and Hayes isn't back, then sure. Like, let's then let's let's take a step back and be like, all right, what changes do we need to make to the lines? But I don't know. It's just, you know, I, I want to see if the, the Drew Coots TK line can build off of what I thought was a really strong performance on Saturday. I don't want to break up that Lawton, uh, the Limblom Lawton JVR line because I feel like they're just finally starting to take all that puck possession and turn it into actual goals. And the Broussard line, like they did score, they did score on Saturday, and they just need to hang on for a couple more games, and then Hayes should be back, and then you can kind of make that top nine look like the way it's supposed to look. So, are we concerned about the fourth line? Like, I know it's just the fourth line, but they have been pretty bad. Like when at They've what point do we ass and I real hate ass. them? Yeah. Like so let's I, I'm just gonna be really honest. There's not one player on that fourth line that I value. So I'm sorry guys. I'm more concerned with the fourth because the fourth line, like by the numbers, has been quite poor. Mm-hmm. Um I think that I think the fourth line problem will eventually sort itself out when the Flyers start getting their pieces back. Like, that's sort of why I'm not going too crazy over it, because it's like, all right, well, if you got a Lawton or you got a Broussard on that line, it should be better. And then eventually, if and when Wade Allison comes back, I mean, he might have to spend time in the AHL before he gets a call up. But, I mean, he showed last year he's pretty much NHL ready, so I don't think it'll take that long. Uh, as long as he's fully recovered from the ankle injury. But you get him back, then suddenly then you can use somebody to beef that fourth lineup even further. So that problem could solve itself. The one concern I do have is that, like, I agree the fourth line hasn't been great, but I get the sense that Vino has liked it. Yes, that's my is, problem. Like, that's a concern to me because, like, if they continue to be putting up, like, 35% expected goal rates and getting, you know, hemmed in their own zone and Vino just keeps kind of being, like, Hey, I, I like their games. Like, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't be throwing away, you know, that much of a differential on a nightly basis. Um, yeah. When you could make it better. I wouldn't care as much except that Vino continues to use them at, like, key parts of the game. But again, that's... Well, I mean, you're... Like, I, I always think that that criticism is a little overblown because... How dare you? You're going to have to throw them out there at some point. Like, they're going to play. Like and and if you decide you dislike the fourth line every time they're out on the ice, you're gonna be like, why the fuck are they out there? I hate these guys. But there have I think that been, happens to a lot of fans. There have been times. Uh, it was a couple. I can't remember what game it was, uh, but it was first period out of a TV timeout on the road, so you know what's gonna happen, and it's a defensive zone draw, and they have third. They have third pair fourth line on the ice. And it was like, you just asked the other team to put their best players on the ice. You just begged the other coach to do it. Like, I do think it's avoidable sometimes. 
Um, especially like out of a TV timeout when everyone just got two minutes to fucking chill. Uh, I, I just, but overall, I haven't been that disappointed in the fourth line, mostly because my expectations for them are low. And mm-hmm. I just like Zach McEwen. I just like him. He looks. I like, like him me. too. Yeah, he does look like you. <laughs> I am just like I'm at the point where I don't want to ignore or question the relevance of the fourth line. Like I actually want a fourth line. I feel like I've been saying that for a decade and we've had maybe one or two over that past 10 years, but like I'm sick of it and I hate it, but I don't want to really complain about it because they're doing like the team is doing well right now. The team is winning. So like fine, they they could just be there and play their seven minutes a night or whatever it is. Yeah, and- I I think they have the pieces in the organization to have a good fourth line. Yeah. It's just a matter Probably. of putting it together. And I mean, one of the really frustrating parts about the fourth line, truthfully, is that, you know, I think the fourth line would be a lot better if Nicholas Albay-Cubell looked anything like he did two God, years ago, but problem? he just doesn't. That's, since the fourth yeah. line came up, I wanted to ask, like, do you think there's any salvaging him or does he just stink? I don't know what happened there, man. I don't know. I mean, I I want him to get back to where he was because I really value no, him, we thought, that, that rookie man, season. Man, that, that first year where it was like, okay, he's getting the time, he's doing his thing, he's physical, he's putting the puck in the net a little bit, and now it's just he just takes a penalty every night. That's it. That's what he brings to the team. Is he? Uh, I guess he's there to bolster our penalty kill numbers? I, I don't know. I don't know, but man, this is when, like, being right about a bad thing really sucks because when he came up to the team, I was like, I don't know about him. And everyone told me I was an idiot. And then I really liked him. And now again, I would like for him to go away. (laughs) But I do like, and it just sucks. Like I wanted to believe in him and I did believe in him for that whole season. And then, and we are coming at some point this year. Like we could be looking at, even not a completely different fourth line, but it could be like Nate Thompson with Derek Broussard and Wade Allison. And then we don't have could a fourth be. line problem anymore. Yeah, that's hot. Yeah, well, I mean, I depending like it. on Nate Thompson. Um, yeah, he's all right. It'll be, I'll be very interested to see how the Nate Thompson thing shakes out when the Flyers have like a full complement of forwards. Um, and Let that, him keep making Instagram videos and I'm fine with No, that. I mean, like he's he's very clearly a good locker room guy. And I definitely get the sense the coaching staff values particularly his penalty killing ability and the idea that like they can put him out in the defensive zone and he's not going to screw up. They like that. I just wonder if, you know, let's, let's, let's take a look at this. If you get to the point where Kevin Hayes is back, you know, he's okay. So now he's, he's in your top nine. He's a lock as long as he's healthy. He's a lock. Morgan Frost starts killing it in the AHL and you got to call him up. So now he's in your top nine. Wade Allison gets healthy, you know, maybe you gave him two weeks in the AHL, he scored a bunch of goals, and you call him up. Then it becomes like, okay, well, are you going to sit objectively better players to keep Nate Thompson in the lineup? And I, I realize that, we're, you know, I'm, I'm extrapolating this because this is probably like two months down the road. Like, I don't think Wade Allison is like coming through that door in the next week or so. He's just started skating, and that, that ankle sprain was a pretty bad one. But it could happen. You know, Morgan Frost could really get it going. Kevin Hayes looks like he's on his way back. Wade Allison will be back, I think, at some point this season. And I just, I wonder if 
the the respect the coaches have has for Nate Thompson is enough that like they would scratch like Broussard or someone mm. like to keep Thompson in or like scratch Allison because he's not a fourth line. Like I just it's it's one of those like red flags that it's not worth worrying about yet because right now Nate Thompson probably is one of the Flyers top, you know, 12 best forwards because they have a lot of guys out. But I could envision a scenario where he's not, and I wonder if he would get pulled out of that fourth-line rotation given the clear respect the coaching staff has for him. So I was just and writing down. No, I was just <laughs> I'm done. I, I was hoping it would go like three more seconds because I was just writing Sorry, down man. what the perspective lines could possibly be. And I'm like, who am I missing? Who am I missing? Like, I put Frost in. Uh, yeah, I, I think... What is most likely to happen, and now, like, again, like you just said, we're looking down the line with um, with Wade Allison coming back, but what is most likely to me is Morgan Frost just doesn't get called up until someone else comes out. Like That's possible. It will take, yeah, someone gets hurt. It will not be just, he's playing well, bring him up. It will be someone's out, and we need to call some. Like, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, maybe. I think you're totally right, and... I mean, we know it'll happen at some point this season. Just probably not as quickly as Morgan Frost would like. I mean, I guess the thing is that right now there is someone out, and he's still not up. But I think we all agree he's probably not playing well enough to bang the door down That's at true. this point. But, you know, even if he starts playing really well, will they wait until, like, a Derek Broussard got hurt? Or, like, Scott Lawton misses two weeks. Like, I don't know. Maybe. It'll be it'll be interesting. I don't think Frost is at the point now with his play where he's, like, screaming, I'm ready for a call-up. Get me up here immediately. I hope he can get to that point. If he never gets to that point and he's just plugging along and playing good and, you know, scoring, like, eight points every ten games but not utterly dominating in the process, I, I, then it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting what they do. It'll be interesting if they they call him up to give you know a scoring boost, or if they just kind of keep keep him down there and wait to see when uh you know something shakes out at the NHL level and makes it obvious he needs to get a call up. And like we we talk about these guys who might get bumped out, but like at what what would Morgan Frost have to do to make it justifiable that Scott Lawton is no longer in the top nine? Like, cause that's, that's something you can move him the wing or whatever, but like Scott Lawton is a good player for this team and everybody loves it. Like Morgan Frost would have to be awesome for it to be like, yeah, well, Scott Lawton and listen, a perspective, a possible fourth line of like Lawton, Broussard, Allison is it's enticing, but like, is Morgan Frost really worth it? We don't, we don't know how good he is. (laughs) He might not be good at all. No, it's a reasonable point. You know, you're you're projecting with Frost, and I'm a Frost believer, but you are projecting with him. You're you're projecting and you're hoping uh, to a degree. Obviously, you know, it's not just hope because you're going on, you know, what he's done in the past, his talent level, what we've seen from him, his ability. But kids still have to prove it, and I mean that's why I'm not, you know, annoyed that he's still down in the HL because I don't think he's dominated down there yet, and I think he needs to prove that he can be dominant down there before. I start like and in the past, I mean, like when Joel Farabee was dominating, it was like, get this kid up here. When Tanner Lazinski was dominating last year, get him up here. Wade Allison, um, 
trying to think who else uh, had like dominant stretches where it's like Oscar Limblom, like he was dominating before he got like get those guys up there. Frost, from what I understand, isn't at that point yet. So mm-hmm. kind keep him down and, and see where he goes. But at some point, I'd like him up here. I just like him to truly earn his way up here. So uh, this is going to be the last thing here about Ryan Ellis. I saw a Meltzer tweet, a Bill Meltzer tweet the other day, uh, where he mentioned, and it was the first time I've actually seen mention of the possible injury. I linked to it here. Um, He said it's been rumored that the Ryan Ellis injury is a groin-slash-hip situation. Don't love that. And, uh, yeah, boy, when I hear those two things together, you know what that makes me think of? Mm. G and Ghost. Well, I don't. I, I mean, know, I know it's different. I, I, I think, inju- I think you're. Yeah, I think you're going a little bit overboard. Uh, and there, I fully based on the information we have. Like, I'm not saying like, oh, I think like I'm just saying when I hear this, it's Flyers PTSD. I, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's it is. Yeah. I, it is. I know. I'm like overreacting. Bill Meltzer did not say, hey, this is a sports hernia. This is a core muscle, and he didn't say any of that. It's just me going, oh, groin hip. That sounds familiar. And it's already something they don't seem to have a great handle on because he was day-to-day, and now, and then he was traveling, and now it's like, yeah, he ain't playing Wednesday either. Like, I, they just don't seem to have any idea, and that sounds a lot like some of the sports hernia-related injuries they've dealt with in the past, whether it was, and not even just the Flyers, like Nolan Patrick, they didn't really know what was going on with him in junior till he, you know, eventually ended up coming here to get the surgery. And then the G and ghost stuff. We all remember how that went. I just. Wayne Simmons too. Yeah, I'm just kind of, uh, I'm not, if there's anything that's really hampering my optimism right now, it's that they have no idea what's going on with Ryan Ellis. It seems like well, from I mean, the they, I think they know what's going on with Ryan Ellis. They're just not telling the fans okay. what's going on with Ryan they, Ellis. I th- there doesn't seem to be, okay, there doesn't seem to be any possible, like, any concrete timetable. It's a day-to-day thing. Hopefully it goes away. It just doesn't seem like, from an outside perspective, they have a great handle on the situation or when they might expect him to be back. And the reason why the groin thing makes sense, and this it's something it's something that's been speculated for for a couple of weeks. It's just no one has any like sources that are going on the record being like, yeah, that's it. Um, it just it, it fits. It, it fits with the nebulous nature nagging. of yeah, yeah, it's just like a nagging groin. Because like th- that's the thing. Like, could it be related to like a sports hernia type situation? Sure. I mean, it it's the same area of the body, at least the same region and like that core area. But like, there's also just groin injuries yeah. that are nagging groin injuries. Sure. And like, they're not like related to a sports hernia or whatever. They're just nagging because it's a weird injury. And sometimes it just doesn't go away as quick as you think it's going to. Like it's different from like a bone bruise. Like, okay. Like, you know, there's a lot, cause we know it's a lower body injury and groin does seem to like, it fits. It fits logically because those injuries can have something of a nebulous timeline. So I I definitely understand why that's been speculated. There's a chance that we might get to talk to Ryan Ellis tomorrow after practice. If he practices, we will see. Um, Ellis has obviously been pretty numb, but pretty mum on the injury. So I don't know if he will continue to be that if we even if we do get to talk to him. But yeah, I mean it stinks. It's a it's been a weird situation, and obviously the Flyers have 
done their best to survive without him. I think Justin Braun's performed admirably in that Oof. top pair role, but like yeah, he's not a good. top pair defenseman. No, you, that's you don't the, want him there, obviously. He's been killing I've it. Been impressed. He's been killing it, and he needs to be not in that spot yesterday. But goddamn, <laughs> but goddamn, he's been great. Like that keep, yeah. that keep on the Broussard goal was one of the best plays a defenseman has made this year. Like he's, he's been really good. good in this spot. I just don't want to like push the luck of yeah like the old one of the oldest guys on the team who hasn't exactly you know I've liked what he's done since he's been here but he hasn't exactly been a top pair defenseman um I, I don't want seven him in this points role. in 10 games the dude has already eclipsed seven points in 10 he, games he's like right now he's eclipsed the point total from last season he's like primo in the 04 playoffs uh <laughs> scoring scoring more than he did in the regular <laughs> season like he's been absolutely incredible uh I just yeah, I'm the biggest Braun fan in, in in this like on this show, and he needs to not be in that spot. We've lost. Uh... Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you, and it makes me nervous because we know of this team's history of putting not top pairing defensemen into a top pairing spot, but. I have a lot of faith that this is not going to last and Ryan Ellis will be back soon and we're just going to keep winning and Ryan Ellis is still a Flyers. And See, I don't... Yeah, I was just going to say that my thing with Ryan Ellis is like you don't even have to like stretch like Bill was doing with the the injury thing because a groin injury, as Charlie said, like I can't think of anyone that's had a groin injury that wasn't nagging. Like they just seem to linger even when they come back for a very long time. And that's kind of the only thing that worries me is that I worry that his performance is going to be hampered long-term because this never, they never seem to fully get better. And that's a problem. My hope is that this extended period off for Ellis, they are looking at it like, listen, the guys who are filling in are filling in admirably we're going to just let you get healthy because the important thing is having you, you know, into 2022, having you into the post all-star break, post Olympic break, mm-hmm. having you for the stretch. And if resting him a little extra, if this was the playoffs and he could play through it, but it's not. So he won't, if it's a situation like that, awesome. Let him get healthy. But I Agreed. know that this defense needs him badly. That said, you know, we gave props to Justin Braun. Um, Man, Ivan Provorov, uh, maybe quietly turning around the kind of season he had last year. The game he played against Washington defensively, I thought was um, spectacular. Uh, Provy is, you know, he's he's got to change some people's minds about him right now. It's not like it matters to him. He's got his long-term contract. But I, I think it's starting to, we can start to say Provorov is turning back Closer to the guy we thought he was, not the guy we saw last year? Maybe like the Flyers and the playoffs. We just need to expect that it's going to be every other year with Ivan Provorov. <laughs> yeah, right. a good year. <laughs> <laughs> as logical so as anything. As long as it's on a playoff year, we're fine. Yeah, this is a, a good year for Provorov and should be a playoff year for the Flyers. So things are looking up. Hey, uh, he's now, definitely... I'm, I'm, going to introduce, I'm going to introduce a final topic that's not on the outline. Uh, just with things that Bill has said. Provorov, Olympic break. Do we think that any flyers other than Ivan Provorov will make Olympic teams? This Claude year? Giroux. 
Well, I, I mean, mean, I would love that. Rasmussen is almost definitely going to yeah. make Team Finland. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For Finland, of course. If yes. Drew doesn't make it, and I know that Justin Trudeau listens to this podcast, I will be going to Ottawa to protest. Oh um, yeah, let's kick someone's ass. So I, like, what about Couturier? So I, I think that Good. all of I think all of Couturier, Drew, and Hart have a chance. Now, yeah, Hart no, has no, a good they're chance. they're all on the bubble. Um, that said, I mean, I think Couturier probably, at least right now, probably has the best chance because he's younger. He's probably he's got more hype. He's two seasons removed from a Selkie. Like you could stick him on your fourth line and and be be totally happy with that. Um, Drew's having a great start to the year, so he's kind of putting himself back in the mix. And like Carter Hart for years was viewed as like he was going to be the third goalie they yeah. took because like yep. he's the next one. And then obviously with Mackenzie Blackwood, I think he is getting vaccinated now, but there was that drama and Team Canada might just be like, look, if we're going to bring a third goalie, let's like not bring the guy who is like creating drama, creating needless drama here. Uh, And Hart's off to a good start too. So I think all three of those guys could. Now, I don't think Mm -hmm. any of them are locks, but I think all three of those guys could. Now, beyond them, you know, Provy and Rissalina, I think are making it definitely. Um... There has been some rumblings, and maybe this is something that doesn't, you know, he's he's gone a bit cold over the last couple, you know, maybe last week, week and a half. There was definitely some rumblings in the early season when he was really hot that, like, the Team USA might consider Joel Farabee. Oh. That, like, he was, like, in the mix as, like, hey, if he's having a breakout year, like, it looks like he might be, we might think about grabbing this guy. Oh, into that. If he makes it. I will get a Team USA Joel Farabee jersey. I will do it. Put it down. I would like to know. I would be happy for Giroux if he made it. Obviously, he's deserved it throughout his career. And, you know, Crosby's buddies get to go instead and all that shit. Um, Do we actually want Giroux to make it? Yes. I, I want him to make it because I, I think it's just... He it got a, a gold nice, medal it'll be a nice career stolen capstone. from him. It's time. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's it's that's, time. He's living the prime of his fucking life. Let him go to the Olympics. That's, I want him I want him to have the honor. I, I know, I know. I want him to have the honor, and I want him to be a gold medalist. However, I, I want him to win a Stanley Cup more. Yep. I don't really care about yeah. the Olympics, personally. I know they all care Jorge about it. Okay, no los dos, him. I know they all care about it. Um, I just, it seems like an unnecessary risk. I know. Didn't Crosby but. get his gold in the Stanley Cup in the same year? Did they win the cup that year? Who? Who's that? Crosby. Oh, I remember, probably. Um, probably. He's won a couple. Probably. I know that. I think, I think, I'm thinking of like the, the overtime gold. That was no, they, they didn't win in 2010. No, they was didn't that win 2010? So that was the final. 2010 was the Blackhawks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, they won How the year prior. You're right. Even yeah, they years. won 2009. Yeah. So. Do you think Ghost makes Team USA? No. 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 Oh, I'd, I'd be shocked. It, though. Would be shocked. All right. I mean, the, I the, the thing it. with Ghost is like, and I think the the you know, what he eventually got traded for last offseason should tell you, like he's just not viewed that highly in hockey circles anymore. Mm-hmm. He just says, yeah. Man, that was that a hell sucks. of a run, though. <laughs> it sucks that he missed his one shot because. 
Gary Bettman decided, no, nah, we're not doing it. This well, he year. did get to be on that fun Team North America. Yeah. So he, he will did. always have that. I have. I have the Gosses Bear Team North America jersey. I just watched that again the other night, and it was that uh, that overtime game it was just absolutely fucking incredible. All right. Uh, do we have uh, anything else? Are we done? Is that it? I'm done. Okay. Should we talk? Like, I just think I would to, like just, to go to bed now, yes. J- just to just to preclude people from saying that we're purposely ignoring it, should we talk about the fact that Restoris Line had a good game on Saturday? Outstanding oh, game. I, I thought we mentioned it. Uh, yeah, I, I think oh, Ristolainen... Yeah. No, you did. I think Ristolainen and Sanheim played their best game together. Uh, yes. Sanheim was aggressive, which is what he needs to be because he's bad at everything else. And Risto... I did exactly what he's supposed to do against the guy mm-hmm. he's supposed to do it against. He was steady, he was physical, and he created a little bit of offense for the first time. Want to see a lot no. more of that? Yeah, he got that. He got that 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 assist. That was nice. The thing I I liked about his game on Saturday, and this is something I pointed out that I haven't liked about his game, and I've, in fairness, I've never liked about his game. So this is not just based on this season. This is based on what I saw in Buffalo. It it, it bothers me when he. He gets these big hits, and it's like, hey, that's cool. But it the doesn't lead to anything except 30 more seconds in the defensive zone. Like, like hit the guy, but force a change of possession. Like, let, let's not just, like, hit the guy and then, like, let the puck skitter away and let one of his teammates pick up the puck, and then you get three more shots because the hit was just, like— yeah, I mean, I'm sure guys don't like to get hit, but it's nice to have the puck. What I liked about his game on Saturday is there were more than a couple of times where he hit a guy, he sealed the guy pinned, off. Him against, pinned him against the boards, yeah. took the puck, and then initiated a breakout. Like, those are the kind mm-hmm. of hits. And I realize, like, this is where I differ from your, you know, your old school hockey fans. I, I would much prefer a solid but not devastating hit that leads to a change of position change of possession than a devastating get out of your seat hit that then leads to 30 more seconds of time without the puck. Oh, like, like I, I, w- I, I will take the first any fucking day of the week over the second. I love big hits and I was excited for him to join the lineup for those. But at the end of the day, the point of a body check is to separate the player from the puck so that you can get the puck. Like yeah. that's, mm-hmm. that's the whole idea. And yeah, I, I noticed the same thing as you. I thought he did a good job of sealing guys off and then winning a battle after the hit. He didn't chase down hits. He kind of just let them come to him. And yeah, Santa, or, uh, Risto was, it was, I think, by far his best game. Oh, oh by easily. far. And, and, and I straight up asked him after the game if he thought it was his best game. And he said, one word answer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's self-aware. And that is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. You get so much content as Steph just, I don't know what she just did. She just scared the shit out of herself. I don't know what happened. My elbow hit one of the cups that's next to me, which then started a domino reaction of all the other cups Ah, next to me. All right, all right. You know the whole thing. Hit subscribe, blah, blah, blah. Checking out the competition, post-game, fly parably, etc. Do the right thing. Hit subscribe. All right, that's it. My name's Bill Matz. For Kelly, for Charlie, for Steph. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!